Hello for the one talk here the Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Nikoroi Hawkins. Coming up first... Many of them have been displaced, lost their positions, and initially had struggled to contact their families. With so many Kiwis affected, we take a look also at how Aotearoa's Pacifica communities are faring after Gabriel. Also... They met together as Ariki and Ali in terms of, again, that ancient spiritual, cultural connection. We explore why Tiriti Waitangi is relevant for Pacifica today and later on. We'll be sitting there talking to the chairman of World Rugby and say, is it because of this? Is it because of that? We speak with the host of Fair Game, a podcast taking a serious look at what Pacific rugby nations are up against inside the World Rugby universe. In what's been described as the storm of the century for New Zealand, parts of the upper and central North Island buckled under the fury of ex-tropical cyclone Gabriel, forcing the declaration of a national state of emergency on the 14th of February. It only took a couple of days for the storm to unleash its fury once it made landfall, destroying long-established businesses, infrastructure, communities and homes. At the time this program was recorded, at least eight people had been confirmed dead, among them a toddler and two firefighters. And with thousands still uncontactable, the death toll was still expected to rise. As well, though, there have been incredible stories of survival. On a live stream via Facebook, viewers witnessed the plight of Tongan RSC workers taking refuge on rooftops in Hawke's Bay, capturing the nation's attention. Alongside all New Zealanders affected by the storm, Aotearoa's Pacifica community have also been hard hit. Susana Suisuiki reports on how they are coping after the storm. In the midst of all the destruction, Pacifica voices singing songs of praise rang out in church halls across Hawke's Bay. Sanctuaries for Pacific RSC workers in the region, some of whom just days prior were clinging desperately to rooftops surrounded by raging floodwaters. The ex-tropical cyclone Gabriel has robbed what little possessions they had, but what remains is their faith and belief that they'll regain what they've lost. Hastings Pacifica community leader Tsufilau Talalele Taufali says the RSC workers in the region are among those worst affected and is currently on the ground helping the workers who have been left homeless. Tsufilau says hundreds of workers have been evacuated. Many of them, of them have been displaced. Uh, many of them have lost their positions and um, many of them have initially had struggled to contact their families to let them know that they are safe. Um, so there are a whole multitude of issues that impacted the, the, the shock that our RSC community um, are going through right now. Sophie Lau says as far as the emergency response is concerned, he understands there are a lot of worried people with high expectations, but he calls for patience and understanding. We acknowledge that as a community, um, everyone is trying their best, given their limitations. Eh? And so that's where we as a community will say, OK, it is what it is, we're going to help. Although the cleanup is now well underway, it's estimated that it could take months. To further complicate things, telecommunication and connectivity remains limited. The safest bet for connection are phones with data, but even that poses a challenge. Tapuda Trow of SENS Training and Employment says despite Hawke's Bay being one of the most battered, communities across the region stand united. Um, our community has pulled together and they've got such an like, overwhelming and overload of donations coming in. 
So I know that our focus and a lot of the NGOs and the community, um, our main focus is really how can we set them up for after this. Meanwhile, former All Black Sir Michael Jones has been helping out at the Auckland's Trust Arena to an evacuation centre for affected families in the city. The Manaki and the Alofa, the Aroha, is just not not only from the, the, the community that's rallied around to mobilise, probably put their own lives at risk in some respects because a lot of them were here late, some slept the night, and so were far away from their own families on probably one of the the wildest nights in, in, in Auckland's history. And- Secretary and CEO of the Ministry for Pacific Peoples, Geraldine Clifford Lidston, says the outpouring of support has been felt outside the hard-hit regions. For us, it's not just about the Hawke's Bay or the Auckland region. There's lots of um, questions coming from around the country, from our concerned communities, making sure, wanting to offer help, wanting to um, provide blankets and and. Um, towels and all those necessities of life that our families might need. For the latest updates on this story, please check our website, rnz.co.nz. If you're unsure of where to go for help, there's more information on the Ministry of Social Development website. That's msd.govt.nz. It also has information on how you can apply for help through the Community Support Fund. And for our Pacifica community members, head over to the Ministry for Pacific Peoples website. We've set out an extensive list of severe weather events information and contact numbers. That's mpp.govt.nz. On Monday last week, New Zealand celebrated Waitangi Day, marking 183 years since Maori chiefs signed a covenant with the British Crown. It formed the basis of a nation, but also brings about examination of the government's relationship with its indigenous people and the wrongs committed. This year, celebrations at Waitangi had a Pacific flair, with two Pacifica MPs blessing the National Dawn Ceremony with their prayers. Finau Funua has more. Labour MPs Anailia Vasa and Anahila Kanongata'a blessed the commemoration service at Waitangi with prayers in their native tongue. Anailea Vasa, who conducted a prayer in Samoa and described it as a gesture of Polynesian solidarity. Having the Pacific languages spoken in prayer, it's very uh, special for us um, to make sure that we are represented at Waitangi Day. We do have a special relationship with Tangata Whenua. We are indigenous to our own, our own homeland in the Pacific, so we know how important it is that um, that rights of indigenous people are upheld. Declared a public holiday in 1974, Waitangi Day is seen by many as a day of thanksgiving and celebration of New Zealand's founding documents. But to many Māori, it's also seen as a day to hold the crown to account for its many broken promises that followed the treaty. After the document was signed, it didn't take long for Māori to be marginalized on their own land, as the Crown soon set about its colonial conquest, which include ambitions for an empire in the Pacific. Auckland University Pacific Studies lecturer Marcia Linen Young says public perception is changing with the increased presence of Māori in power. Dr. Linen Young says Pacifica have in the past mostly abstained from any public participation or debates around Te Tiriti. But she says that there is a growing awareness and discussion among young Pacifica about the historical injustices. The interests of Pākehā New Zealand are different from the interests of many Māori. We need those people in those places and it, 
and it absolutely should be celebrated that we've got now Deputy Prime Minister for the first time as a Pacific woman. But there is still a lot of our society that uh, looks at these developments, at this leadership, and believes it doesn't represent them. Polynesian Panthers Malani Anai says Māori-Pacifica relations are traditionally ingrained since Māori first arrived to Aotearoa from eastern Polynesia centuries ago. Malani Anai added that Māori had long been in liaison with early anti-colonial movements in Samoa. One of the leaders of the Māori was imprisoned in Mount Eden Prison in 1929. And when he was in prison, he was visited by the... So Maui Pomare, one of New Zealand's prominent Maori uh, politicians. And so they met together as Ariki and Ali uh, in terms of, again, that ancient spiritual cultural connection um, of how we are connected. MP Anailia Vasa says commemorating Waitangi Day is hugely important and helps with efforts to maintain and elevate Maori culture and language. We have to remember the history um, that will benefit Aotearoa um, with all our people here. Uh, I'm so glad that the history of New Zealand is going to be taught in the schools now and that we can acknowledge all that history, the good, the bad, the ugly. For many Pacific Islanders, rugby is more than just a sport. It's a religion to some, a pathway to a better life for others, bringing joy, money and a sense of identity. But as we approach the start of the Super Rugby Pacific 2023 season, a new podcast, Fair Game, is looking at what Pacific countries are up against when it comes to the powerful forces that run the game. For instance, the Rugby World Cup in 2019 saw 11 out of the 20 teams fielding players of Pacific heritage. That's more than 20% of those taking part in that competition. And yet, as Fair Game host and comedian James Nokise tells me, those nations had less than 4% representation when it came to making the big decisions affecting their teams. Well, it's the, the, the concept is um, that the Pacific nations... Um, not necessarily deliberately, um, but are disadvantaged by the current system that is in place within world rugby. So we wanted to look at the realities that Samoa, Donga, Fiji are all facing, present those to our audiences, uh, and also look at um, how they have got into that position as well. And, and whether it is structural racism, um, that is in place and which is um, holding Pacific nations back from you know, achieving their potential on the world stage. Star-studded lineup of guests um, from rugby from the past through to now. Tell us a bit about the episodes that are already already out and who, who you've spoken to. Well, uh, episode one, uh, so we get the heavy hitters. We've got Sir Brian Williams uh, you know, talking to us as um, both the, you know, the patron of Moana Pacifica and, and also the, just a legend in, in his own right. He's, he's really lived the experience. He's, he's kicked down a lot of the doors. Um, but then we also go, we go all the way up the chain. We talk to uh, Sir Bill Beaumont. Um, freshly, well, we talked to him before he's been made a Samoan chief. You know, a Samoans, man, we'll, we'll chief anyone. And, uh, <laughs> And so we uh, attacked him, and um, it was very insightful because he didn't shy away from the questions that we had. And I, I think he comes from, uh, even though he's got a knighthood, he comes from a, a traditionally a working class background in the UK. Um, you know, and, and people over there in, in that kind of situation aren't so far from people over here. 
in that situation. And so it's one thing to sit in your lounge, sit in your garage and go, you know, what? I reckon this is because of this and it's because of this. It's another thing to be sitting there talking to the chairman of World Rugby and say, is it because of this? Is it because of that? And them to go, yeah, it is a little bit. And this is what we've seen and this is what we're trying to do. And then be able to push back and go, well, what about what's happening here? You know, I, I think the key thing we tried to show was the, the levers of power and where that power resides. Um, you've got um, um, a wonderful uh, former colleague, Tali Anderson, on, on a women's episode as well. Uh, how important is that conversation? Oh, Tali is a, a brilliant journalist. Uh, we're really lucky to work with her. And uh, very important to have her voice leading that because the last thing you want when you're talking about women's rugby is is men talking about it. Um, but also, I, I think in this, in 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 its own way, with the in, in the, not just the Pacific thing, but in a lot of cultures, having her lead the interviews as well, you know, and, and there's a joy um, in in a lot of the talks. There's an openness uh, and a vulnerability from the people that she was able to talk to, and, and very important people in the women's game who are not household names, um, but should be. And, and the way that they were opening up to her. I think there's a lot of, there's actually quite a bit of crying in that episode. And all I would say to that is that I think the men would also cry. There's a bit more swearing in the men's episode. But I think the men would cry if it was built into our culture, Pacifica culture, for men to cry publicly. Then I think they would cry at the frustration of the situations too. You mentioned joy as well as all the struggle these these are gods among men within our communities. Talk, talk us through a bit of the, the celebrations of those doors you mentioned them kicking down. Well, I, I think one of the things that comes through uh, from talking to people about their experiences, and this, this might seem a strange thing for a Pacifica audience to hear, but it is the love from non-Pacific audiences. So, you know, players who've played in the UK, the UK players love them. You know, the UK fans love them, but they don't know where they're coming from, you know. And when they get to put on their jersey and play for their country, there's no money there. You know, you, you, don't, you don't make the kind of money you'd make. So they don't do it for that. They do it for their family to see them wearing that jersey. They do it to hear the national anthem, to, to sing those words, you know, and, and to compete for the pride of their nation. And other teams do that as well. But they have the financial backing, the infrastructure, the technology to put them at a level that Pacific nations just aren't able sometimes for their own economy. You know, Tonga gets devastated by a volcano. How is their economy meant to help their rugby team when they are facing that kind of issue? So what if we want to see Tongan rugby in the world, and it's brilliant rugby and there's brilliant players, what needs to be done to help them when they're in such a dire situation. And even what these players have to go through to even be allowed to play for their countries, talk, talk us through, through some of those stories as well. Well, like I said, there's, no, there's not much money. I don't want to pretend there's no money, you know, but there's not. Some of these players, they have to pay for their own fares. They got to, some of these players have to pay their own way to be able to, to get over here, you know, and they've got to take a massive pay cut some of them uh there you know depending on what time of the season it is in the northern hemisphere uh they can risk losing their contract and 
they're doing that to come over to this part of the world and and play uh, for their team with with quite a large chance that they'll lose. You know, maybe not by a hundred points. The 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 Dongin captain flew in from um from Europe to lead that team. You know, knowing that it was going to be bad, probably not that bad, and. That's that's what the players are facing. Is there's a lack of time to come together. Samoa goes to uh, Europe for the Northern Test. Fiji goes up to Europe for Northern Test. They can't bring their one hundred percent strength team because the finances aren't there to take one. So they got to pull in players who are good but not their top team from around Europe. And it's that kind of discrepancy. If if New Zealand or Australia were having those kind of troubles, it would be you know six o'clock. Story number one, you know, something has to be done. We have to fix this. But for all of that, then you look at players who are first generation, second generation, and they end up playing for those teams. So now you've got Pacific Islanders. Eight out of the top 10 teams in the world uh, have Pacific Islanders playing in their squads, have players in their squads who could play for the Pacific Islanders. But Samoa's ranked 11th. Uh, Fiji is ranked 14th. And Donga is ranked 15th. So the three big Pacific nations aren't even in the top 10. But the top 10, eight of their teams have players who could play. So that's that's the kind of mental issues that are also there. How important is Super Rugby Pacific and the, the rise of Moana Pacifica, of the Andrua, for, I guess, where we are now and where we're heading with um, Pacific Rugby? I think what's been a real game changer if with the Andrua and uh, Moana Pacifica is it allows for high-level club competition that feeds directly into the national squads because that is actually a big part of why top Pacific players were going not to New Zealand or Australia but you know some to Japan but many to France to England is they needed you know good-paying um, high-quality competition to maintain their skills, but also to feed their family, help out the village, because in Pacifica, your income is never just, once, you, once you're over a certain income bracket, it's never just for your household. That's just the way our people are. Um, and that's a pressure a lot of non-Pacific people don't understand as well. So Moana Pacifica, Indrua, it allows for both a, a growth from grass level straight into the national team, and it allows for a consistency of players being able to play together. So a, a lot of um, the Moana Pacifica players will end up in the Samoa, the Donga team. And Ro, of course, goes into the Fiji team. And they've got those hours um, of being able to play together, which leads to you know these amazing combinations you see uh, in running plays um, and being able to play cover defense. And you know the player next to you. You're not just showing up and you get a week of preparation with some dude who you've kind of met before. You know, and these are the, the small things which the All Blacks have a massive advantage of because all their players playing Super Rugby all the time, seeing each other, playing each other, knowing each other. And the same with Australia, South Africa, and of course, England and France. You're obviously very passionate about this subject. Um, what do you hope this podcast series brings to the conversation? Well, I'm not a rugby player. I never have been. So it's not really a passion for rugby that I bring to the show. And, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of our people. 
Um, so my cousins have played rugby um, and, and, and done well, as many listeners' cousins will have done. I, I care about the impact that that's having on our players and, and our people. And I hope that it brings both a, um, an understanding from Pacific communities uh, about the realities of what our players are, are going through in terms of what's stacked against them, you know, how little power they have. So we're more supporting of them as they try and, and, and get stronger. And I think for non-Pacific um, listeners, um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm mixed race. So my, my, my mother is from um, Wales, a very passionate rugby country as well. Um, I know that they love watching Pacific players because Pacific rugby is joyful rugby. It's, it's passionate rugby. It's, it's, you know, Fijians. Fijians will destroy you on a rugby field and smile at you at the same time. It's very unnerving. <laughs> Bongans never smile when they're destroying you, but will have a very good laugh and Samoans keep singing. You know, we, we all have our own joyful way of playing and that's infectious for world rugby. So what I hope for them is that they can finally see, hey, these guys who you love watching in your domestic competition, who you cheer for as underdogs at the World Cup, this is how hard it is for them to get here. This is what they're facing. And if you care about that, then lobby your people in your rugby union, whether it's France or England, Ireland, Scotland, Italy, and get them help. Thank you, Tomas. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to listening and um Again, uh, probably just telling people where they can listen to these um, podcasts over the next few weeks. Well, if, if you want to hear these stories and find out um, you know, what's going on with Pacific Rugby, you can find it on Radio New Zealand. Um, uh, we'd be very lucky to partner with the Pacific Media Network as well, um, and then Apple Podcasts and, and wherever you normally find podcasts. Fair game. Check it out. Thank you so much. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcast. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Look at me, fella, next time more.